Hello and welcome to another episode of Covenant and Conversation with me, Rabbi Sachs. In each new episode, we'll explore a Jewish idea from the Hebrew Bible based on the Torah reading of the week. Masay, the religious significance of Israel. The long journey is nearing its close. The Jordan is almost within sight. We've read the long itinerary of stops along the way. Finally, we are reaching the end of the list of encampments. And God tells Moses, take possession of the land and settle in it, for I have given you the land to possess. This, according to Nachmanides, is the source of the command to dwell in the land of Israel and inherit it. With this, we come to one of the central tensions in Judaism and Jewish history, the religious significance of the land of Israel. Its centrality cannot be doubted. Whatever the subplots and subsidiary themes of Tanakh, its overarching narrative is the promise of and journey to the land. Jewish history begins with Abraham and Sarah's journey to it. The four subsequent books of the Torah from Exodus to Deuteronomy are taken up with the second journey in the days of Moses. Tanakh as a whole ends with Cyrus, king of Persia, granting permission to Jews exiled in Babylon to return to their land, the third great journey. The paradox of Jewish history is that although a specific territory, the Holy Land, is at its heart, Jews have spent more time in exile than in Israel. More time longing for it than dwelling in it. More time travelling than arriving. Much of the Jewish story could be written in the language of Parshat Masay. They journeyed from X and camped at Y. Hence the tension. On the one hand, monotheism must understand God as non-territorial. The God of everywhere can be found anywhere. He is not confined to this people or that place. As pagans believe, he exercises his power even in Egypt. He sends a prophet, Jonah, to Nineveh in Assyria. He's with another prophet, Ezekiel, in Babylon. There is no place in the universe where he is not. On the other hand, it must be impossible to live fully as a Jew outside Israel, for if not, Jews would not have been commanded to go there initially or return subsequently. So why is the God beyond place to be found specifically in this place? The sages formulated the tension in two striking propositions. On the one hand, wherever the Israelites went into exile, the Shekhinah, the divine presence, was exiled with them. On the other, one who leaves Israel to live elsewhere is as if he had no God. That's the Gemara in Ketubot. Can one find God, serve God, experience God outside the Holy Land? Yes and no. If the answer were only yes, there'd be no incentive to return. If the answer were only no, there would be no reason to stay Jewish in exile. On this tension, Jewish existence is built. What then is special about Israel? In the Kuzari, Judah Halevi says that different environments have different ecologies. Just as there are some countries, climates and soils particularly suited to growing vines, so there is a country, Israel, particularly suited to growing growing prophets. Indeed, a whole divinely inspired people. 
No other place shares the distinction of the divine influence, just as no other mountain produces such good wine. That is, Yudah Levi. Nachmanides gives a different explanation. God created everything and placed the power over the ones below in the ones above and placed over each and every people in their lands, according to their nations, a star and a specific constellation. But the land of Israel in the middle of the inhabited earth is the inheritance of God. He has set us apart from all the nations over whom he has appointed princes and other celestial powers by giving us the land of Israel so that he, blessed will he, be he, will be our God and we will be dedicated to his name. What Nachmanides is saying is, though every land and nation is under the overarching sovereignty of God, only Israel is directly so. Others are ruled by intermediaries, earthly and heavenly. Their fate is governed by other factors. Only in the land and people of Israel do we find a nation's fortunes and misfortunes directly attributable to their relationship with God. Yudah Alevi and Nachmanides both expound what you might call mystical geography. The difference between them is Yehuda Alevi looks to earth, Nachmanides to heaven. For Yehuda Alevi, what's special about the land of Israel is its soil, its landscape, and its climate. For Nachmanides, it is its direct governance by God. For both of them, religious experience is possible outside Israel, but it's a pale shadow of what it is in the land. Is there a way of stating this non-mystically, in concepts and categories closer to ordinary experience? Here's one way of doing so. The Torah is not merely a code of personal perfection. It is the framework for the construction of a society, a nation, a culture. It's what, what Rabbi Aaron Lichtenstein Zetzal called, in a memorable phrase, societal beatitude. It contains welfare legislation, civil law, laws governing employer-employee relationships, environmental provisions, rules of animal welfare, public health, and government and judicial systems. The Torah stands at the opposite end of the spectrum from Gnosticism and other world-denying philosophies that see religion as an ascent of the soul to the ethereal realms of the spirit. For Judaism, God lives down here on earth, in human lives, interactions, and associations. The Torah is terrestrial because God seeks to dwell on earth. Thus, the Jewish task is to create a society with the divine presence in its midst. Had Judaism been confined to matters of the spirit, it would have left vast areas of human concern, the entire realms of politics, economics and sociology, outside the religious sphere. What was and is unique about Israel is that it's the sole place on earth, barring short-lived exceptions like the Himyarites in the 6th century and the Chazars in the 8th, whose kings converted to Judaism. Other than that, it is only in Israel where Jews have had the chance to create an entire society on Jewish lines. It is possible to live a Jewish life in Manchester or Monsey, Madrid or Minsk, but it is always a truncated experience. Only in Israel do Jews conduct their lives in the language of the Bible, within time defined by the Jewish calendar and space saturated in Jewish history. Only there do they form a majority. 
Only there are they able to construct a political system, an economy and an environment on the template of Jewish values. There alone can Judaism be what it's meant to be, not just a code of conduct for individuals, but also and essentially the architectonics of a society. Hence there must be some space on earth where Jews practice self-government under divine sovereignty. But why Israel specifically? Because it is and always has been a key strategic location where three continents, Europe, Africa and Asia, meet. Lacking the extended flat and fertile space of the Nile Delta or the Tigris-Euphrates Valley, or today the oil fields of Arabia, it could never be the base of an empire. And because of its location, it was always sought after by empires. So it was always politically vulnerable. It's also ecologically vulnerable because its water resources are dependent on rain and rains in the region are always unpredictable, hence the frequent famines mentioned in Genesis. Its existence could never therefore be taken for granted. Time and again, its people surviving challenges would experience this as a miracle. Small, geographically and demographically, it would depend on outstanding achievement, political, military and economic, on the part of its people. This would depend, in turn, on their morale and their sense of mission. Thus the prophets knew, naturally as well as supernaturally, that without social justice and a sense of divine vocation, the nation would eventually fall and suffer exile again. These are, as it were, the empirical foundations of the mysticism of Halevi and Nachmanides, and they are as true today as they were in ancient times. There is a directness, a naturalness of Jewish experience in Israel that can be found nowhere else. History tells us that the project of constructing a society under divine sovereignty in a vulnerable land is the highest of high-risk strategies. Yet across 40 centuries, Jews knew that the risk was worth taking. For only in Israel is God so close that you can feel him in the sun and wind, sense him just beyond the hills, hear him in the inflections of everyday speech, breathe his presence in the early morning air and live dangerously but confidently under the shadow of his wings. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening. You can download a written version of my commentary and explore all my additional content by visiting www.rabbisax.org. This year, we also have an accompanying family edition of Covenant and Conversation aimed at connecting children and teenagers with these ideas and thoughts. For a family edition discussion sheet on this week's parasha, please go to www.rabbisax.org/cc family edition.